Amen. Amen, indeed. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place this morning. And as we begin, before we dive in, don't panic, Owen. You're not going to have this on the screen. That's fine. But uh, I was just feeling convicted to uh, just share and be vulnerable a little bit, um, because I think a lot of our hearts are in a similar place sometimes during this. And just uh, last Sunday, I was really struggling. It was a really hard day, I found, and there was nothing in particular going on. It was a good day, even here. We had a wonderful service together, and I just found that I was really hurting, and it... um it's, it's not an easy time for all of us. And as we were walking through this time, I was led to Psalm 23 um, as I was preparing this week and uh, was just reminded of some of the good things. And it ties in, we're going to be talking about Jesus being the good shepherd this week. And it was just kind of on my heart. And we weren't going to go to this passage, but just as I was worshiping this morning, uh, God was laying it on my heart that uh, I should share this and just that we can be encouraged together and that it's okay to not be okay. Sometimes, even as we are gathered here and it is wonderful and it's good and different pieces of life are starting to open up a little bit here and there, it is still, it's been a long year and it's been a hard season and some days we're doing well and some days we're not and that's okay. But God is still good and he is still in control and he is still that good shepherd who is caring for us even when we don't feel like it and our feelings matter we can know that God is good we can know his word is true we can know all these things about him and we can still feel alone and empty and and hurting and and all of those things and that's okay but as we begin this morning I just wanted to read Psalm 23 to us and be encouraged and then we're going to jump into John chapter 10 the things that God has for us but um, maybe this is meaningful to you as well I know it was for me this week as I was just processing through that and praying through that and trying to see uh, what God was leading me into and how he was caring for me even as I didn't feel that in the moment. But Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are that shepherd that cares for us, that leads and guides us, that your rod and your staff, those instruments and tools of direction and correction, God, we desire that. Even when it hurts, God, we know it's good because you are leading us to good places, to healthy things, to new life. And Father God, you have created us to be emotional beings. That is such an important part of our experience of life and one another and you. But God, sometimes we don't feel okay And God, help us to trust that you are with us when we are in those dark valleys. 
that even still, when we don't feel your presence, God, you are still there. God, we thank you for your church, that we can be on this journey together and encourage one another in that. When we don't feel okay, there are others who can come alongside and carry us and encourage us. And God, give us wisdom and direct us how we can be that for others too. But Father, as we continue to walk through this incredibly difficult season, we pray your peace, your love, your hope, all of the fruit of the Spirit upon us, upon your church, that we can be that light and hope to others. We praise you and we thank you as we dig into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I hope you feel encouraged, again, that we can be not okay. That's allowed. And that we can walk through those times together and encourage one another and find ways that we can do this. But as we begin this morning, let's turn to John chapter 10. And we're going to read another one of these stories of Jesus. John chapter 10 is the, the I am statement of the gate and the sheep. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the crowds that are gathered there. And he says this. Very truly I tell you Pharisees. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate. But climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life. And have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and they shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. I have the authority to lay down my life, and the authority to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Amen. The gate and the good Shepherd, Jesus is the only way 
and he leads the way. This morning we're coming to the end of our study of the stories and and metaphors that Jesus told us to try to help us understand who and what he was, what was happening, what all of this is. Because next week, we're going to step into a different kingdom story. The time for lessons and preparation is over. As we come to Palm Sunday and then Easter weekend where Jesus is no longer describing things to us, but he is living out his very purpose and mission right in front of the people that he came to save, the ones who would betray and abandon him, shown the glory and power and depth of God's love. He will be crowned king of kings and Messiah, the crowd cheering and singing. And then cursed and spit on by those same people a week later. Before they watched him die. To save them. To save all of us. These stories of Jesus that we've been looking at over the last number of weeks, his parables have been fascinating glimpses into the kingdom. Jesus gives us just hints of of glory, of what his father's kingdom looks like, of what it means to be in relationship with him, the grace that he wants to share with us, that he wants us to experience, the love that he desires us to know and to feel, the hope and the purpose that he created us to live. Stories like the good Samaritan, the prodigal son, the the workers in the vineyard. God wants us to know his love. He wants to show us his love and his care, how far he will go for us. The kind of life he wants for us. Stories like the soils and the wine and the wineskins, the treasure and the pearl. God knows the value and the power of his kingdom, of what he's offering. He knows That not everyone will see that treasure. Not everyone will understand that in every heart, this seed won't take root. That not all will understand and respond to him, but he is offering. Offering life, abundant life, everlasting life. Jesus described his father to us. He described what Life was meant to be to us. He tried to describe eternity to us. And in these stories, simple though they may be, he captured that spiritual reality that we all inhabit, knowingly or not, willingly or not. He tried to help us see what he saw, to see people, the world, life, like he saw it. We might be fallen We might be broken. I mean, we are so very obviously. But we weren't created to be that way. We were created to be with God in perfect relationship and union with Him. With one another and with all of creation. It was beautiful. It was incredible. 
And sin broke that. It destroyed the life that we were meant to live, that we were created for, this being that we were meant to enjoy. The relationship that we were made for, and that that could have been the end, that should have been the end, because God is holy. And he's perfect. He is unstainable. And our brokenness cannot be with him. He is holy and he cannot abide what is tainted by sin. And yet, despite all we had done and everything we deserved, he would not leave us there. He could not leave us lost and he made a way back. And so he began to work. He chose Abraham. He gave him the promise, a nation and a people to show the world who he was and what he wanted. And out of that was going to come one person who was going to change everything. And he gave them the law that they would be able to relate to him to show them that the life he intended was different. That being in relationship with him meant living differently than we think, than we want. And the law again promised this one person who would change everything. God's people suffered through slavery and wandered in the desert and took the land that God promised to Abraham hundreds of years before and they had kings and they followed God and they disobeyed and they were blessed and they were punished and they conquered nations and they were destroyed by God's instruments of justice in Philistia and Babylon and Persia and God sent prophets who told the people what God wanted for them, the promises that he made to them that God would just restore them and bless them and protect them if they would obey him. But beyond all of that, the prophets told of this one who was coming to change everything. And hundreds of years passed. And God was quiet. And then he sent the one. And that one tried to show us tried to tell us what all of this was supposed to be, what we were created for. What God is like. What he's doing. And he told sermons and he gave lessons and he performed miracles. And he changed lives. And he told us stories. Stories about his father, stories about his kingdom, and stories about himself. He called himself the true vine, the bread of life, the way, the truth, and the life, the door, the resurrection and the life, the light of the world, all ways to describe who and what he was and what he had come to do, what he was doing for us. And here he called himself the gate for the sheep and the good shepherd of those sheep. Telling us that he is the way and he leads the way. 
Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate. For the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the fullest. This passage is incredible because it shows us just how difficult it is for Jesus to try to describe this spiritual reality to us. He is seeing and living and experiencing something so different from what we do. There's a person entering by the gate and a thief and a robber who doesn't and the gate itself and the gatekeeper and the shepherd and a stranger and it says that Jesus used this figure of speech but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them and small wonder. The reality of the spirit and the spiritual world does not fit in our understanding of the world. The way relationship and life and truth works in that reality is different. But Jesus lived it so that we could see it. And it's amazing. And it's so confusing. But this passage comes right after the story in chapter 9 where Jesus heals a man born blind. Once again, displaying his calling and his power and his authority. And again, the Pharisees are furious with him. They accuse him of not keeping the Sabbath. And so what he is doing cannot possibly be from God. And so Jesus is responding to them with this story, calling them out that the people who are God's children, are God's sheep, will see and hear what Jesus is doing and they will know that it is real and true. They will follow him because there is only one way, one gate, and it's him. And the Pharisees cannot comprehend this because the gate isn't a person. The way to salvation, to relationship with God in their mind is the law. 
Not a person. And certainly not this Jesus. The whole question with this man born blind was, whose fault is it? Whose sin caused him to be blind? His or his parents? That was how the Jewish people in that day viewed physical disabilities and illness. It was someone's fault. Your sin did this to you. And here Jesus completely dismantles that and he displays the power of God over nature, over people, and over sin in one fell swoop. And at the end of this, the Pharisees ask, what, are we blind too? And Jesus says, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. Remember what we just said about how they understood physical disabilities. If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim to see, your guilt remains. This is a massive challenge to the Pharisees. And from their perspective, a huge insult. Because they are the gatekeepers. They are the ones who can see. They have the law. And they protect it. And they punish people with it. They have control. And for Jesus to accuse them of being the blind ones insults everything they believe about themselves. But he was right. They couldn't see. They couldn't see that all of their devotion to the law wasn't about God. It was about selfishness. It was about power and authority, and privilege, and prestige, control, and wealth. They were the thieves who had snuck into the pen by another way with their own motivations and their own plans. Jesus is the gate, and they were doing everything they could to avoid him. They could not go through him. They had to get in another way. They wanted to ignore him. To hold on to their life as they liked it. As it made sense to them. And the sheep had obeyed them out of fear. But the real shepherd. Doesn't have to push. And punish to control them. He simply walks ahead. And they follow because they know him. They know his voice. And they trust him. And he leads them. Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full.
I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. We can get upset that there's only one way. Life today is all about choices, about your own truth, options, what's best for me. What works for you might not work for me. Truth is relative. Everyone can believe whatever they want. And if you suggest otherwise, you're narrow-minded or judgmental or restrictive. But Jesus is unequivocal. There is one gate. There is one way. And it's him. And rather than be upset that there's not more choice or that we don't have any say in how any of this works, that it might not be our preference, we need to celebrate the fact that there is a way. There is hope. God has made a way. He has opened the gate and we can be free. And not only has he provided a way, but he sent us the one to lead us through as well. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I have received from my father. He is the good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. He cares for the sheep. He protects the sheep. He knows them and they know him. He brings them together and he leads them. He makes them one. These are the promises that Jesus is making to you. Do you hear them? Do you believe them? Do you trust that he means what he says here? That you can have this life that he is promising, this full life. And what the Pharisees failed to see is that he was talking about them too. Jesus had plenty of reasons to be angry with them, and sometimes he was. But far more, I think he was sad for them because they were his precious sheep too. And they didn't think so. 
They had been in charge for so long, in control for so long, feeling that they were the protectors and defenders of God and his law from the evil outside world, that they had lost sight of the truth. God doesn't need our protection. We need his presence. God doesn't need us to defend him. We need to experience his love and share it. He can handle it. When Jesus calls himself the good shepherd and when he lays out what he is doing like he does here, we need to sit and pay attention and try to understand what he is offering. Because it's not just a nice idea or a philosophy to be debated or an organization to be defended. He is offering us life. Life to the fullest, abundant life through his very own life laid down and taken up again by his incredible power for us. And in the end, as he talks about laying down his life for us and taking it up again, submitting to his father and bringing in all the sheep from every pen all over the world and stretching through time, the crowd didn't get it. And they called him a madman. And they said he was demon-possessed and they wondered why anyone would listen to him, but they couldn't deny the power of what he had just done. A man born blind could now see. By no power they could understand. Jesus is life. And he is here. He is the gate. He is the only way. God desires restored relationship with his children, with his precious sheep, with each and every person. And the only way back is through his son. But thanks be to God that there is a way. Because we are so lost, so gone, so beyond hope. And God responded in love. Jesus is the gate. And if you are looking for life, he is offering it. And then not only does he offer it, but he leads us into it. We don't have to stumble blindly. He is the gate and the good shepherd. And if he is calling you and you hear his voice and you recognize it, he wants to lead you into that new life to show you what it means because he lived it. We can have what he had. He lived it to show us what he meant. And to show us the kind of impact that that kind of abundant life has. And all through the pages of scripture and all over the world right now, that kind of life is having an impact. Because it's led and transformed by him. He is the gate. He is the good shepherd. He is the way and he leads the way.
Do you hear his voice? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you have provided a way that in spite of our sin and our selfishness and our fallenness and our brokenness and our continuing to hurt you over and over and over again as we respond in selfishness and fear and insecurity, you are still gracious. The gate is still open and the good shepherd still desires to lead us to life. Father, we thank you for your son. Jesus, we thank you for your life. That you showed us what this was all supposed to be and that you laid it down for us. We thank you that you conquered sin and death. That we can live eternally with you. And we don't understand what any of that means. But we trust you. We hear your voice. And we follow you. We don't need to know what any of that means, what any of it looks like. Because you will lead us where we need to go. We thank you and we praise you in your name. Amen.